Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So if you are just joining us into the story, or perhaps you've been in and out, uh, we have been exploring the book of Daniel. Uh, We have been going for seven weeks. This is week number eight. And we have been on an amazing journey of exploring this uh, book that sometimes gets overlooked. There's so much in it, and there's so many different styles and genres that we learned about inside of this one book. It's taken a lot of unpacking. And today we're fast forwarding a little bit, and we're going to be moving into chapter 12, which is the very last book chapter in the book of Daniel. But before we get there, I want to go back a little bit. The first six chapters of the book have a theme that we've been talking about, and that is God's sovereignty over all things that are happening now. The theme over and over is that God is sovereign over everything that's happening in this moment. Now, the second half of Daniel, as we look into chapter 7 through 12, we see a ton of prophecy. And this is where things can get a little confusing at times. We've seen dreams and prophecies and what does all this mean? That's what we've, we've been unpacking together. And so now we're moving into chapter 12. But before we go there, 7 through 12, why this is so significant is that these books are God's sovereignty over things that are to come, that are to come. Because oftentimes, you know, when we're in tension or things are happening, we think about the present and the future feels chaotic. Like, what is going to happen? How is this going to end? Does God care about us? Is everything going to explode? Whatever, right? We, our mind goes all over the place. So maybe we might agree we understand that God has control now, but does he have control? Does he know Is he there in what's to come in the future? And so that's where we're exploring now in this second half of the book. Now, scholars have been arguing over the meanings of all these prophecies for years. In fact, scholars and theologians argue about a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things that we're trying to understand and grapple. And and we're not going to get into the nuances of that because we could go down rabbit trails all over the place. What we want to do is we want to go into what is the intentional purpose of what's being said and what is the main theme, right? What is, what are us as readers, what are we expected to understand after exploring this book? So I, I want to, first of all, before we go, because there's a word I've been using a lot. It's the word sovereignty. Sovereignty is a word, depending on where you're from or your background, it's like a big, huge church word. Uh, what does sovereignty mean? I want you to listen to this definition. Sovereignty means that there's absolutely nothing that happens in the universe that is outside of God's influence and authority. Let me say this again. There is absolutely nothing that happens in the universe that is outside of God's influence and authority. So when we feel like chaos is brooding, there is a story larger than us, larger than ourselves, because in our world, we put ourselves in the center of every story, right? We're, we're so self-centered and centric, but God sees a larger arching theme and he is in control of, think of how many moving parts there are that he is in control and sovereign over. So as we go there, I want to give you a synopsis of where we've been. So where we've been is that the the people of Israel have been ransacked. This happened in the beginning of the book and, 
And Daniel, we've seen some of his friends, our nation of Israel, are taken uh, captive. And you'd have to start to feel helpless at that point, right? Like as a nation, you feel helpless, you've been ransacked, you're taken to Babylon. And then inside of Babylon, Daniel has to endure all these different types of kings with all these issues that were going on. And then Babylon's overthrown by the Medo-Persian Empire. So now there's another king that comes in. And you could just feel this tension, right? Here I am. I am, I am a refugee. I'm taken out of my land. I'm not even a refugee. I'm stolen, right? He's a slave, essentially. But he has found favor, so he's brought up in the ranks. He's outside of his land. He doesn't have the comfort of his own people around him. He is shoved into a culture that he doesn't agree with that's against his gods. He's fighting for what is true. He's standing firm in the midst of a culture that does not believe in Yahweh. And he stands firm through all this, but it just seems over and over and over again, everything seems to be falling apart. So for the people of Israel to hear that God is in control not only of the present, but also of the future is huge. It's a huge thing. It, and it's going to be a huge thing for us today too as we explore chapter 12. So inside of this, in these different pieces in 7 through 12, as I'm fast-forwarding us, there's all these prophecies that are happening. They compare nations to beasts and all these different powers and how earth power versus their pride and all this stuff is going on. And the times that are coming, Daniel's finding out, are going to be very, very hard. Unfortunately, these prophecies are not showing a happy ending per se yet. What they are showing is that times are going to be very, 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 very hard. And God gives them this prophecy to say this, even though, even though things are terrible right now, I want to remind you of something, that God is faithful to take care of you through the end because he is sovereign. Now, let me go back to that definition again, because this is going to be a key piece of our exploration today into this passage. Remember, it means there's no, absolutely nothing that happens in the universe that is outside of God's influence and authority. Why this is so important is this, this is the building block of faith. Think about your faith journey for a second. And I, I obviously don't know where you are on your faith walk and your faith journey. But on your journey, I can guarantee that there have been times that hard things have come in which your faith starts to probably at least waver a little bit. Maybe, maybe crumble, maybe your knees buckle, maybe it took you to your knees, maybe it knocked you out flat. And friends, I'm going to even say, maybe you completely walked away. I, that your faith walk, because of the circumstances that are happening right now, you are saying there's absolutely no way there's a God who loves me. Maybe you're afraid of the future. Let's be honest, man. Right now, the world is in chaos. Chaos. It seems like there's just chaos everywhere from our culture to how we're treating each other and obviously the invasion of Ukraine, um, the wars, the rumors of wars, the list goes on and on and on. It feels like there's absolute chaos around us. And friends, there is. But understanding that God is sovereign through everything is the building block and the, let's just say the foundation of a faith. That when everything starts crumbling, you can stand firm because you fully trust and believe that God is in control of now and he's in control of the future. That's huge. It's huge. If we can't even start on that point, friends, you're going to struggle with faith. 
You're going to struggle with this idea that God loves you. You're going to have a circumstance, and as soon as that circumstance comes, you're going to turn your head away and say, God, see, I told you, you don't love me because this is too hard. But God never promised easy, and unfortunately, that's just the way life is because sin rules this earth. But I have a great message for you today. If you are discouraged, if you've been on your knees, you're on the ground, you're knocked out. I understand that because I've had many times in my life where I feel like circumstances have not only knocked me out, but like I'm on the ground and I'm like bloody and like just totally beat up. As I'm starting to get myself up, there's that final death blow, you know, in those movies where like the guy's like trying to get up and everyone's like cheering him on. But then the, the guy comes and gives him like that swift kick and like snaps his head back and he's out cold. That's, I've been there. I, I know exactly how that feels. I, at those times, wondered, like, God, what are you doing? Do you love me? Or All these questions, guys. There's no judgment. There's exploration together. Because I want to share something with you that I've learned in my life. And I've gone through hardship. And there's been times where I've stand firm. There's times I've buckled. There's times I'm out in the cold. I'm telling you this. God is sovereign in all things. And when we can start to put our faith in that foundation, everything shifts. Our entire mindset shifts. And we actually start to now have hope, even though there's darkness. Imagine that, hope, even when there's darkness. So we're going to explore Daniel chapter 12. As I'm starting to open this up, I want you to grab your Bibles. Uh, if you're at home, you obviously have, hopefully have, obviously hopefully have something around you near you, uh, either on your phone or Bible app, um, paper Bibles. Uh, you can also just Google Open NIV Bible, Daniel chapter 12, whatever you like to do to read along with us. Uh, what we're going to see is a prophecy is what is going to happen at the end of days, end times. Everything is going to come to an ending, and Daniel is given a prophecy to see what is that going to look like. Now that we're on this side of things, now this is, Daniel's around before Jesus, right? So Jesus has not yet come. So this is before Jesus' time. We're on this side of Jesus. We're A.D., and because of that, we have a different perspective. What we're going to know is that Jesus is going to return, and there's going to be a just response to evil in the world. The just response of God is that he is going to provide a way to save everybody, but for those who are saved, you're going to have eternal life with God. To those who don't want it is complete and utter separation for eternity, and that's what we call hell. So let's get to Daniel, Daniel chapter 12. Let's read along with me, uh, if you would. Daniel 12. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There'll be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name was found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up the seal, the words of the scroll, until the time of the end. Many will go here and to there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? 
The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, it will be for a time, times, and half a time. When the power of the holy people had finally been broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will be the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished to the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there'll be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for these and reaches the end of 1,335 days. As for you, go on your way till the end. You will rest and then at the, uh, the end of days, you will rise and receive your allotted inheritance. So if this is your first time reading Daniel chapter 12, um, or maybe even diving into the book of Daniel, like, <laughs> whoa, there's a lot of stuff going on in these chapters. And, you know, if you're new to Bible reading, let me just encourage you. Um, I really encourage slow Bible reading. Take your time, and I use the word marinate, like a good steak marinates. Uh, well, would you really marinate a steak? Probably chicken, right? So anyway, you marinate, right? Sit in it and you take in the flavors of that over time instead of just ripping through something. Because a lot of times we'll just kind of keep going, 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 going. But this one could be a full sermon series just here. And unfortunately, uh, we can't do that today. We're going to just marinate real quick and uh, for our sermon today. Unless you want to sit there five hours. I'm cool, but probably not. But you hear me. We need to marinate on the scripture. There's a lot happening. And there's this imagery and these seeing these visions explaining something that is about to come. So the theme of this vision is the end of time. And in this, this is a hot, hot button topic for decades, man. This is one of those topics where people love to have lots of opinions in the church world. There's been books written about it. People love hearing preaching about it. And they, they want to know. And in a lot of ways, it's great. I mean, we should be talking about these things. They're wonderful and, you know, debating and thinking through uh, different things. It's awesome. But the truth is, is that I've listened to a lot of people. I've heard great professors. I've list, read books. Lots of different ideas on details. So details sometimes are meant for us to focus on, sometimes not. We're supposed to catch the, what's the big purpose here of what's being said. Now, in this passage, we're talking about the end of days. End of days is a time in which Jesus comes back. So Jesus comes back. It starts this sequence of what's going to be happening, which is the end of sin. Jesus comes back. He doesn't come as a baby in a manger this time. He comes back. It's a conquering king. And now this time when he comes, we are set into motion the end. So life as we know it is ending and a new beginning is starting this is really important because the beginning of the end marks a time in which there is a short amount of time of people to repent and come to Christ. Because at once you're dead, that time is over. We have time now to make that call. So as we move into the end of times, God is giving time for people to still repent. And this is going to be a time in which sin is going to be vanquished once and for all. If you are aware or familiar with the story of Genesis and the origin of us as humans, God created us. He takes Adam, he grabs some dirt and some dust, and he forms him, and he makes him, and he breathes into him. 
and we are called made in the image of God. And then he says he just loves it, man. He loves earth. He loves what he's created. He loves man. He says, man, I want you to rule over everything that's here uh, I'm with you. He walks with man. It's really cool. He doesn't say maybe, but he said he didn't walk with the zebras. He walked with man. There's something special about us and a relationship where he breathed into us. And now these image bearers right away blow it and sin enters the scene. So as sin enters the scene, now the enemy of God is us. We now become part of the problem. And now the problem of sin has to be fixed. And so God is working through humanity to bring his children back to himself, all of his children, his grace, his mercy, his love to bring us back to him. And as he brings us back to him, at the end now where we are, we're at the end of the story, right? Genesis beginning. Now we're moving toward what happens in the end. And you can read a ton about this in Revelation uh, if you want to explore that more. At the end now, what's going to happen is there's a sequence of events that's going to say, I'm done with sin. It's going to be beaten. A new heaven, a new earth, we're given a new body, and we return back to the way we were supposed to be in Genesis. So sin is defeated, and it's defeated only because of Jesus Christ. We have no play in this at all. We're not even part of this story other than being ones being saved. Therefore, we're worshipers of God. So here are a few things that are going to happen in the end of days. Now, again, this is the debate part. The order in which this happens is thought in a lot of different directions, but here is a pretty uh, standard view of how this will go. First of all, the followers of Jesus Christ are raptured. So Jesus is going to rapture or bring back all of the believers on earth. We're told it could happen at any time, any moment. It could happen right now. Boom, we're gone. And Jesus, it says, it meets up with us in the sky. We're taken from the world, those who have Christ as their savior. What's left then is everyone who does not. So this is a, can you imagine, this is a huge thing. And funny enough, all of our, our Avenger fans out there, right? If you watch the Avengers, Infinity Wars, and, and all those type of things, you know, the blip, right? All of a sudden, half the people are gone, and they have this storyline that kind of moves about how half of the people are gone, uh, not because of God, it was a different storyline, but this is legit. Like, this is going to happen people of Christ are raptured and gone. After that, sin runs rampant. So now sin is running rampant. You have to wonder how much the people of God right now are keeping sin at bay. Sin runs rampant, led by the Antichrist, and this is now called the tribulation. A new thing happens as this sin is running rampant. Satan now is bound and Christ will reign. So Christ reigns for a millennium. Again, thousand years. We don't know where this lands, how this all works because there's a lot of imagery and stories, but I'm just giving you the big facts here of where Daniel's going to take us. There's Jesus reigns on earth for a thousand years. Uh, there is a, a time in which sin, uh, Satan is bound. Um, he has one last push, and then boom, one last rebellion. Satan is defeated. And at that time, every human will be before the great white throne of judgment. Those who are believers forever, who are in the new heaven and the new earth where sin is vanquished, Everyone who is not saved by Christ, hell, and eternal separation forever, which we'll dig into that a little bit more in this, as we uh, go into the story. So we begin with this vision. Daniel sees the archangel Michael, who is often associated with any sort of spiritual battle. You'll hear this archangel of Michael. Now, the archangel, which is really interesting, and this is just one of those nerd facts for you, right? Archangel. What's an archangel? 
Uh, it's a, the highest ranking of angels. So there's ranks in how God does things. We have this idea of this archangel. And oftentimes in our world, we think of Jesus's or God's enemy as Satan. The truth is Jesus and God has no equal to even be, uh, anyone could be his true enemy, right? The true enemy of, of Satan is Michael. That's his counterpart. That is the guy, they both were archangels. They were high-ranking, high-leveled people in God's way of doing things, which we don't know a ton of details on that, but we see glimpses. And so a high-ranking Michael, who's seen with spiritual battles, he leads these spiritual battles as Satan is an archangel, which took a bunch of angels with him to leave a spiritual battle against God's army and God's way of doing things. And so God's army, and now you've got Satan's army, are always in this battle. Jesus just says, it's finished. I'm done. And it ends, right? That, it, Jesus, right? This is God Almighty. So these are the two point and counterpoint that we see inside of Scripture. So Michael is here, and Michael's job is the protection of Israel. This passage that we're reading in is about Israel. Now, we're going to be able to insert ourselves into the story uh, because we become grafted into the story of God's people, which means that God has chosen a specific people with a promise that we read about from Abraham and the promise that goes through a lineage and line that God is going to take Genesis all the way back over to Revelation through the Jewish people. So when we're hearing this story, when it's saying, when your people, speaking to Daniel, your people, he's talking about the Jewish people and nation of Israel. So Michael's job, we see, is given a protecting. And he says, there's going to be a hardship like you've never seen before. There's going to be the tribulation. So now we are, he's getting a glimpse forward to say, there's going to be a terrible time for the nation of Israel and for the people of God. It's going to be a terrible, hard time. And something we may not have seen or may not have really recognized is how the Jewish people have always been the target of Satan. Think of all the terrible things that have happened to these peop- this people group. In our lifetime, right, let's just, World War II. World War II, if our great-grandfathers, our great-grandmothers served in World War II, um, or great-grandma, or grandmas, whatever you'd be, right? Uh, if they served in World War II, what was happening during that time to this people group I mean, it's horrifying, which launched into this large war. But it's, we think of that, but there's also this constant fight in the Middle East for the land of Israel. There's this constant fighting all the time. And I mean, there's a ton of history of what this people group have gone through. Satan is always trying to destroy this line because this is God's promise to all of us. Yes, it's God's promise to Israel, but it's God's promise to all of humanity that he is going to save us through this people group. And this people group are markers. And so when we're looking at what are the signs of end times, we will see markers that will be occurring. It's coming through Israel. Interesting enough. So this is really focused at what is happening to the people of Israel. But this is what I need to encourage you and go back to again, because this is is heavy right? This is heavy. This, we have to remember, this is a story and a passage we're working on through the lens of God is sovereign. We only see the 87 God-willing years on earth that we feel 
are the most important years of our existence. God sees 87 years as nothing but a blip to a larger narrative of eternity. And so God is sovereign, is key, though we see all this hardship and pain and struggle and it seems like there's death and all this. What is going on all the time? I want you to hear an encouraging word as we move forward in this story. God is sovereign. And why that's so important is God always keeps his promises. God has promised that anybody's name who's found written in the book is going to be delivered. Anybody whose name's written in the book of life is delivered. Anybody who believes and calls the name of Jesus Christ is going to be saved. God always keeps his promises. So when you look at the history of why we look at scriptures the way that we do, God continually fulfills his promises over and over and over again. He never goes back on them, which that has to encourage us today as we look, even though end times could be coming, right? When is it going to come? Nobody knows. But here's the fact, man. God always delivers on his promises every single time. And when he delivers on his promises, that means this, God is going to save us. So I want to go back now into verse two, because things get a little bit weird here. And I think this is a cool passage, but I want you to go back into verse two. It says this, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of heaven. Those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up the seal, the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase their knowledge. Dead people are literally going to come back to life. What's interesting about this passage is the use of the word, the dust of the earth. From the dust of the earth, God has created humans. And so he forms and makes from dust that which God has created, God creates again. So God creates from the dust of the earth. He makes man. And then when sin comes in, in Genesis, he says, from dust you recreate it. Now you're going back to this. You blew it. Death is now your reality. And so we go back to dust. But this is the beauty of God's promise. We don't stay dust. Because now we are going to come back again. So there's going to be a time during these end times. Imagine how, how, imagine this on TikTok or Snapchat, right? Like there are going to be people formed from the dust of the earth. They're going to come back to life. The dead are going to rise again. If this does not scare you enough, if you were alive during that time to say, okay, maybe God is real. I don't know what will be. But understand in the end times, there'll be so many markers and so many things that people should say, oh, we should all turn to Christ, but they won't, which is just fascinating to me. So there will be a marker of dead people rising from the dead. And when they rise again, this is what's so cool. People who are with Christ are forever, forever, you hear that word, for eternity, everlasting, are going to shine, and they're going to shine forever and ever. We're going to reflect God's glory back to him because we're seen as righteousness because of Jesus, because of God's plan for us. Those who are not, do not. There is no maybes. Either you do or you do not. So there's going to be a risen, rising of people. 
for people who died before Jesus, this is often a question of like, well, what about people who died before Jesus was there? What about the Hebrew people, the faithful people? Uh, there was faith that God would save them. A faith that God would save them. Faith in God is the key element of absolutely everything. For the people who died before Jesus, it was faith that God would help them and save them so they would do sacrifices and things were set up for them to remember and remark and go back and repent to say, God, you have to save us. We can't save ourselves. So in the Old Testament, that's why you see all these different rituals and all these different sacrifices. Jesus comes and Jesus says, I have done it for all of, all of you. So for all those who have died after Jesus, it's faith that God would save them. It's the same thing. But now our answer is, the answer is Jesus Christ. The reason why I bring this up, there are so many viewpoints out there right now. Everybody's, got, I mean, the internet, I mean, Google, you know, what way to heaven, you'll get 85,000 different viewpoints, right? Within the Christian church, within bodies of faith, there's viewpoints that are all over, all over the place. And we're going to err this way, friends. As a Mosaic family, we are going to stick to the word of God and what it says because it's smarter than I am, okay? And smarter than anybody I know, right? It is the word of God. So the word of God is very clear about this. There's a lot of viewpoints, but there's only one that really matters. Heaven is a very, very real place. And heaven or eternity with God is a place that's set apart where sin doesn't exist anymore. Okay, Sin is defeated. It is the finishing point to return us back before sin entered the scene. Makes sense, right? Hell is where sin goes. It is the opposite of God. It is the rejection of God. It is our rebellion, our pride. We steal God and rob him of his glory. We rob him of the worship he deserves. Sin and hell are very real existing place set apart for when sin is vanquished, okay? So either sin exists or sin no longer exists in the same place. Now, why this is a tension point is because we think that we're the heroes of the story. We're the good guys in the story. We're made in God's image. I'm not that bad of a person. I don't sin that much. I, I mean, I'm not as bad as those guys. We have all these different ways that we want to make ourselves feel better about our situation and we want to create our narrative, which means we are trying to save ourselves. This is the truth of, of what's really going on. Maybe this is the best way to explain it to you. We all hate evil. I, I don't see one social media feed or one conversation with my friends that are saying, I'm so excited that people are dying and there's a war starting in Russia and Ukraine. I've seen nothing but people say, this is terrible. We've got to stop it. How do we help? Um, how do we help the hurting people? There's concerns about the people of Russia who are just innocent, right? Who aren't part of what's happening, who are trying to protest and get out. And I mean, there's just all this, we just hate evil, right? We hate it when we see an abused person get abused again. We hate it when something is stolen from us. We hate sin. Deep down inside, we actually hate it. We, we all do. In some form or some way, and if you play with sin and, and live with sin, you know sin turns around and bites you. 
sin is terrible. So God has an answer for us. God's going to end sin. That's the, that's the absolute answer we want, right? Don't we want sin to stop existing? Don't we want there to be peace and love and harmony? Don't we want racism to end? Don't we want abuse to stop? Don't we want wars to cease? Don't we want love? We want love. So God says, I have this whole idea. Here's the plan. For, for this to happen, sin has to be defeated. It has to end. And this is what's going to happen. I'm going to end sin. But here's the craziest part of it. You're sin, so you have to go too. Have you ever thought about it that way? That if God ends sin, he would end humans. That's it. I mean, that's the story of humanity. We are living and we are breeding and we are reproducing sin daily. I, I'm working on it. I'm, I hope you are too, to get this stuff out of my life, but I still do it. And when I read the teachings of Jesus, he's like, you even think a bad thought, you're sinning. Like, oh my word. Like, how in the world? I, I, I just keep sinning. I am a parent of sin, producing little sinlings all over the place. This is all my fault. And God says, I want sin to end too. I love you all so much, but unfortunately, you're part of the problem, so you have to go too. So to end sin, God has to end me. He has to end you. That's the problem. But God does something that is so remarkable that I can't even start to put my head around or even start to process in any way possible. How in the world would God be able to do this? God is going to do something so amazing, friends. He is going to send Jesus Christ to say, though you are sin, you are seen as righteousness. So we are not sin anymore simply because God created a way to save us because God is sovereign. He has offered us a chance to get out of hell where every single human ever created is going unless God saves us. This is why there's tension. Maybe it's you, maybe it's a conversation you've had sometime in your life uh, with somebody you know. But here's the tension point. The tension rests is that we believe we're the good guys. Somehow, some way, we believe that we don't belong there, but we belong in heaven. Friends, that's not what the Bible says. That's something we've made up, and that's something we say to make ourselves feel better about the truth of the matter that we are causing more pain in the world when we sin. This is fact. This is truth. This is the word of God. We all belong in hell. And that should absolutely terrify you right now. But I don't mean it to terrify you. I mean it to do this. That should bring you to your knees where you are right now and start to worship the God of the universe that said, I have a plan for you since you were made that I'm going to provide a way to save you out. You just have to take my hand and you are out. Follow me. God didn't say there's a thousand different ways to heaven. He said, follow me. Jesus didn't say you can worship whatever you want and pick whatever you want. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Follow me. Jesus made it so clear. I will get you out of this if you take my hand. See that I did this. I was the one on the cross that took your punishment and your sin 
Everything was put onto my shoulders. Now, my children, get this. We're supposed to be annihilated. We're supposed to be in hell, eternal damnation away from God. And he says, no, you're my friend. You're my brother. You're, you're more to me than you'll ever imagine. And God redeems us. That is the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the end times, is that there is an answer for those who call on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And friends, I, I can't, I'd be remiss to go any further without doing that right now with you. Because without this, we have nothing. Without this, we're all lost. If, if we don't at least take a second to pause here, I want to give you that opportunity to accept Christ as your Savior. It says in the Scriptures, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe that this is the story, that he is the Savior and you'll be saved. But in our church traditions, we say a confession of prayer with our mouth. So wherever you are right now, wherever you're watching or listening, uh, I'm going to lead a prayer and I ask you to, if you want that, to, to say that prayer now. And not just say a prayer, go on your way, but understand that the life of sin that you hate, the sin that's killing our world, that you can be free of, that you are just freed of, you pray this, you're free. You give that up, and now you follow the master. We follow Jesus Christ. In our church family, we call that discipleship. So if you want Christ right now, I'm going to say this prayer with you. Pray along if you're at homes or in your cars, wherever you are. Pray along with me. God, I give you my life. I cannot save myself. And you provided a way for me to get out of the problem that I have created in sin. This is my fault, God, and you provided a way. And Jesus, you did it. You died. You rose again. Right now, you are seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You're coming back. You're coming back just like it says in Daniel. There's going to be an end time. There's going to be a new way, God. I want Jesus as my Savior. I need him. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for where I've been. Take me out of the pit of hell right now, God, and bring me into the, into the glory of your eternity right now because I believe that Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God who has come to save the world. I love you, Jesus, and I give my entire life to you today. In your great name, amen. Friends, there's nothing magical about the prayer we just said. We confess truth. And the truth is, if you just said that prayer, there's a multitude in heaven. There's rejoicing that those who were in the pit for eternity are now saved. And I rejoice with every single one of you. This is why we exist. This is why we started a church, was to bring people from death to life. And we celebrate with you. I ask you to do this. If you did pray that prayer, if you do want to meet and talk with us, I want you to email me this week. Uh, email me at info at mosaicwi.com. I-N-F-O at mosaicwi.com. Let me say that again because maybe you weren't ready for this. Info at mosaicwi.com. That's going to come to me directly. And I want to connect with you. I want to get you connected right away on the story of discipleship to say, I'm in, man. Like, tell me what this life is all about. And we want to journey with you today. 
Because friends, as we look at this passage, if we look at Daniel chapter 12, we see so much happening here in this passage. The main theme is this, God is sovereign. That he has a plan laid out for us. Because as we move back into the passage, we're going to see there's these, they're explaining things that there'll be time, time, time and a half. They're explaining how long that, by the way, time, 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 time and a half, that's three and a half years. That there's going to be this time of tribulation, this hardship. And Daniel's like, I just don't get this, man. I don't, I don't get it. And they're like, just, hey, Daniel, roll it up. Roll up the scroll. Because this is for a time to come. And I love how this ends. I love how this ends. Because as we come to a landing point in this, he's going to say this, live your life, Daniel. Live your life. Things are going to come. Follow. Hold your faith so that you get what you deserve at the end. Friends, when you die, you're going to get what you deserve. But it's not what we think. We can't go on what we hear. We've got to go on what the Word of God says. Not an internet and you know, it's all this, what does the word of God says? The word of God simply says this. I just want you to hear this again. Friends, hear this again. Verse two, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting content. Where are you going to be when that happens? Are you rising from the dead to come back to sit before the throne of God when he says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant, you embrace God of the universe. Maybe we'll fall to our knees and weep. I don't know what the scenario is, right? But we are shining like stars for eternity. Or will you look at God and he says, I don't, I don't know you. You weren't saved by Christ. You thought you could save yourself. My child, you're still sin. And sin has to be defeated. And there's a place for that. And that place is eternal hell. Friends, I beg you today with all of my heart, as your pastor, as your friend, as just a person in the community, we came here with a heart huge to say, I want more people to find freedom. I want you to know that freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.